Pulp MX Network production. Thanks for all the support, Pulp MX fans. The Pulp MX app is now available for both iPhone and Android-based phones. For all your moto needs, shop at btosports.com and use the current discount code PULPMX. And don't forget to click the Amazon banner on PULPMX.com when purchasing anything from Amazon. It's the Steve Mathis Show, brought to you by RacerX, presented by BTOSports.com and ThorMX. The original Moto Podcast, featuring legends of the past, stars of today, season previews and race reviews, introspection, opinion, facts, and laughs. Here's your host, Steve Mathis. Hey, this is Mathis. Thank you for listening to this BTOSports.com RacerX podcast presented by ThorMX. BTOSports.com. Save big by listening for the promo code. And, of course, ThorMX. Uh, thanks for, for those guys for making this show possible. I get a lot of tweets and emails about doing podcasts with some of the sports legends and greats. This just in. I've done them. Uh, I urge you guys, check out the uh, Steve Mathis Classics. There's a lot of good stuff on there. A lot of repeat podcasts. Uh, two, three-parters of guys and uh they're terrific stuff and uh if you're new to the podcast game check those out first before you email me and tweet me steve mathis classics on itunes and uh hook it up here's a little sampling of uh some of those older podcasts and what you get and, and after that is sean kalos thanks everybody for listening don't forget to check out some of our past shows including motocross legends such as the beast from the east damon bradshaw it got to the point where i didn't want to leave home and once I got to the race, I wasn't into it. If I wasn't going to give 100%, I'm not going to take their money. The working class hero, Doug Henry. It was definitely an emotional moment for me, just thinking to myself, that's it, you know, and it's, it's amazing the stuff that goes through your head in a short amount of time of the things that, you know, that I was going to miss. The daughter, Ron Machine. Until you really open your ears and you want to listen to what they're saying, like beating a dead horse I mean, you know and i know from personal experience did anybody ever sit me down of course they did. everybody did go circuits mitch payton there's two ways to make the money one is you can sign for money or two you can earn the money i'm a high believer in earning the money i think they ride better when they earn the money seven time jeremy mcgrath i was so mad like so disappointed and so frustrated that i had to pull pick and i left every point counts I could kick myself to this day for not just riding around in tents. It's been no problem. My, my ego got in the way, you know? The O Show, Johnny O'Mara. Stuff that you could, you'd sit there if you didn't even want to ride it. You just wanted to just look at it all day. I mean, I got a chance to test all that. I like that era I was in. I really do. Search Pulp MX on the iTunes Store to enjoy these and many more great Welcome to the BTOsports.com RacerX podcast presented by Thor MX. Thanks to BTOsports.com for coming on board and sponsoring this thing for many years now. And Thor MX as well. Check out ThorMX.com for all the latest from those guys. Uh, with me on the line is uh, someone I've been wanting to get for a while. Someone who actually was tuned by me back in the day. And uh, f- amateur motocross phenom, one of the most naturally talented riders. And I'll get into it more, but I feel like he got screwed uh, by Yamaha. We'll get into that. But uh, for now, it's uh, Sean Kalos. Welcome to the show. Hey, thanks very much, Steve. Yeah, thank you for uh, for coming on. And uh, I, one of the guys on my list to, to always get to. And 
Um, basically, you're doing motocross schools nowadays, and uh, I didn't even know this, but you're at Loretta Lynn's. You're going to Farley Castle. You're you're back, Kalos. <laughs> <laughs> I'm loving it, you know, and this is something, you know, I grew up doing since I was three years old mm-hmm. on a little Indian motorcycle that I still have at my grandpa's house. And, um, you know, you go through up to the ranks, up the amateur ranks, into the professional ranks, and when it's all said and done, it's just kind of like what I do. And, mm-hmm. you know, you try to figure things out. I was newly married, and... You know, I actually, you know, needed to get a job like most <laughs> ex-pro <laughs> motocrossers do. And, um, you know, I loved golf. And I had a, a nice golf resort where I grew up in Litchfield. And I went there. And I actually went from, you know, racing pro motocross to scrubbing clubs at a golf club. And, yeah. You know, and then I eventually moved into the pro shop and uh, was an assistant pro for a few years. It was a great experience. My first real job ever, you know, in my yeah. late 20s. And uh, <laughs> right. it was awesome. Right. <laughs> Um, and, uh, but of course, like everybody, motocross, once it gets in your blood, it's, it's in there. Um, and, and there's, it's hard to get rid of. So, uh, your schools, how are they going? Uh, talk about that a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, um, you know, that, uh, working at the golf shop wasn't really, you know, uh, supplying enough financial needs for my family. So I started looking and, you know, what else I can do. And I mm-hmm. thought, you know, I'll, I'll start riding, uh, you know, maybe doing some local races, maybe even earning a little bit of money and, and start promoting my schools that way. Right. So uh, my wife, you know, bought me a brand new 03 YZ250. I started riding that, started giving lessons. And then I figured, you know, who pays, might as well make a little contingency, you know, right. racing some of this local stuff. And um, I rode for Kawasaki in 91 one year. So I called them up and asked if I could just get, you know, maybe a discount on a bike or whatever. Yeah. And, um, <clears throat> um, you know, I talked to the secretary. He said, sure, we'll call you back, whatever. I didn't think I'd yeah. hear anything from him again. And then about a week later, Craig uh, from Kawasaki and Reed Nordin, they called me and, and asked me if I wanted to be a, a team green rider and do, you know, all these amateur nationals and blah, blah, blah. And I said, yeah, that sounds awesome. Yeah. So I did some of that stuff and, um, you know, taught uh, locally on the on those same bikes. And, and uh, from 04 to 07, I rode for Team Green. Yeah, kind of like a little mini uh, revived career, huh? Yeah, definitely. <laughs> I raced against some of the old guys I used to race against, and back in the day, Dubak, and mm-hmm. you know, you never knew, you know, who you know who would show up at um, at some of these races. But uh, it was it was neat. You know, I just got back from Loretta Lynn, helping a few students out, and was watching uh, Tim Ferry was there racing, I think the twenty five class, uh, Robbie Renard, and yeah, you know, Trampas Parker and stuff. And you know, I I love watching guys who I used to, you know, race with, uh, ride still and be competitive and still go really fast. It's it's really, really fun to watch. So You see that in your future, maybe? Some more of that? Um, yeah. I mean, it's, it's you know, as long as, you know, when you, when you get to, you know, as a ex-pro motocross rider uh, in your 40s, you have to think about how healthy you are and, and what you can do and, <laughs> right. uh, and your family. You know, I have four boys. I've been married uh, for 20 years. Wow, yeah. And, of course, you know, you got to think about all those things. And, yeah. But, yeah, you're right. It never leaves your blood. And, of course, you know, I would love to do some, some more amateur stuff and stuff if that opportunity comes up. I'm guessing you're, you were a pretty naturally talented rider. I mean, obviously you worked pretty hard at it. But you could ride a motorcycle, and, and you're a taller guy, and it, it looked easy at times. And, and one of the things in talking to Red Dog and his, you know, he didn't ride for, uh, he didn't ride for like six months or something. And then talking about Loretta's, he's like, man, He's like, I can still have the talent, but it's a lot of work. I guess uh, you you know all about that, and, and maybe that's you got to be ready to really commit and work, huh? 
Well, definitely. <laughs> I mean, you know, I was definitely blessed with a lot of skill, a lot of natural abilities. Um, but, you know, I think for me, you know, you can use that in the amateur ranks pretty well, and I did pretty well doing that. But when you move to professional, it takes a little bit more. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think that was one of my, you know, hard lessons in life is I really relied on that talent, you know, if you want to call it that, um, to bring me through. And, and when you're trying to use that alone against guys like, you know, Johnson and Ward and yeah. Lachine and all these guys that I raced against, you know, that's, you know, you can beat them here and there, but it's just not going to last you all season long. And um, that was one of my hard lessons, you know, that it's almost a curse, you know, <laughs> to be to be gifted like that. I can right. tell you that, in my opinion, a guy with a lot of talent has to work just as hard as somebody who doesn't. You know, mm-hmm. like maybe a guy like Jeff Stanton wasn't really super gifted, talented-wise, or maybe, right. you know, Bob Hanna. Yeah. But they, they had so much will and determination, they overcame mm-hmm. that, and they were still hugely successful. And, uh, yeah, you, you ha- I don't care what you are, talented or not, you have to you have to put the time and the work. And, and I really didn't. You know, I played a lot of basketball. I wrote a lot. Mm-hmm. But um, I didn't, you know treat myself like a professional athlete off the track and train yeah. myself to do that properly. So, um, Getting back to your golf days, did I hear something about you were maybe trying to do one of the tours or trying to do, like you were a pretty great golfer? Is that? Well, I, you know, I became close to a scratch golfer. Okay. You know, I, I found out, though, you know, there might be 100 great motocross riders in the world or mm-hmm. probably about 5,000. <laughs> great golfers. 1, great golfers <laughs> in the world. And, uh, right. you know, not growing up doing it. Um, but it was good because it made me work extra hard. You know, I just started out out of the blue. Pretty yeah. much. I didn't grow up playing golf, and I got to be a scratch, you know, golfer. Right. And which isn't, you know, easy to do. And now I just play for fun, you yeah. know. Um, and I still practice all the time, and it's a great, you know, side mm-hmm. thing to do in the meantime. But uh, yeah, I did. I played a couple. Uh, I think they were like Pepsi uh, tour events, a couple local events, and okay. you know, I finished in the middle of the field and stuff. And right. And but that was pretty much it. <laughs> Um, going back to Loretta's, uh, can you believe how much that place has grown, huh? Since uh, since your days, when Ponca was probably the bigger race and and, and all that. It's, it's yeah, that event I mean, I was nuts. there in '84, and uh, and I won two championships there. It's the same place, Steve, but just with gobs more people there, <laughs> right. and order homes and everything else. You know, yeah, I was yeah. there, and I was my first year of the bus. You know, yeah, and um, you know. Uh, which the oh, bus blew people's minds. I'm sure that just blew people's minds. Well, it did. It yeah. was like it, it, it pulled into the pits and everything stopped. You know, yeah. time stopped and everybody <laughs> stared and looked. And and honestly, Steve, I hated that. I oh, yeah. hated that extra attention. It really bothered me because you know I was pretty shy mm-hmm. back then. I was always pretty shy, and um, they had all, all the attention put on me. I just it, it tore me up inside. And, you know, I shouldn't have let it. It wasn't a big deal. It was a neat thing. But, yeah. you know, I think few, uh, people that didn't know me, you know, you would hear things and this and that. Oh, he's a little rich kid or whatever. Right. You right. know, and that was just in my mind, you know. But I just, I hated that attention. But um, as far as just being comfortable and being, uh, you know, having something neat at the races uh, in between motos and stuff, there was nothing like it. Yeah. <clears throat> um. Uh, and then next week you head off to England. Uh, your late addition to Team USA. You're going to ride an '89 CR500 at the Vet MXDN at Farley Castle. That's got to be you. Got to be pumped for that. That thing looks that track. <laughs> it looks sweet. Um, you got to be excited. Oh, I'm so excited. I'm just so happy. You know, to, to still 40. I'm 42 now, and uh, you know, to be asked to come over there and represent America. 
I never raced the, the you know the regular donations race, and right. you know, it was always a dream of mine to do that. But so this is kind of a, a little bit later in life, and kind of you know kind yeah. of kind of something similar to that. But uh, yeah, I just saw, it and they just sent me the bike I'm going to ride. I guess it's the same bike, uh, a spec that uh, Bale's going to ride. It's an '89 Honda uh, CR500, mm-hmm. and I have a I have an '85 CR500 of my own that my dad gave me uh, oh, yeah? about a year ago. So it's a similar bike. Yeah. yeah. Oh man, that's gonna be fun, and that track's like natural and it's grass and it's it, like, yeah. I was talking to Ron Machine about it, you know, trying to get some tips and stuff because mm-hmm. he did it last year. Oh, and he wadded up too. Did he tell oh, you? He that told story? me about oh, that. He God. said the rod locked up or something. <laughs> he went over the bars. He's like, I don't know what's gonna happen. And he dislocated his collar yeah. or something. And yeah. but he said it's you know it's it's fast and it's choppy and it's natural and it's you know European and those guys are good you know yep. that, that ride it so. Right. Uh, do you ride much at all these days? Like, do you get out a moto or? Like, what? Well, yeah, yeah. I, I do. I um, uh, probably ride just as much now as I did when I was racing, actually. So really, <laughs> right, <laughs> not right, a whole right, lot. Right, but, right, right, right. I mean, teaching schools and stuff. Mm-hmm. And I like to stay on top of my game. I, I love to to get out there, and you know, there's no pressure now or anything. So I get out there, and I actually feel really good on the bike. I feel you know stylish, and yeah, I feel just as fast, or maybe even faster. I mean, I don't know, but. I'm having a, it's just fun to get on a motocross bike on a motocross track and, yeah. and do well. You know, it really is. Um, <clears throat> and then if anybody wants to uh, get in touch with you and get some lessons in the uh, Phoenix area, you'll travel? I, I'm, I'll take it? Yeah, 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 I go to Utah. I do some lessons in California. Okay. And I've been at the ranch and, um, you know, all the SoCal tracks and stuff. Sometimes my, my students like to go over there and ride. And, and uh, yeah, it's um, Team Kalos, uh, www. TeamKalos.com. Okay. All right. Yeah. People my website, and that has my information on there. It's just a website my wife and I made up that has some basic things. Yeah, you can get a hold of me that way. And Perfect. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I love to share my experiences. I love to help these kids and, and get them on track. And, you know, the, a big part of my what I like to do is a lot of the lessons I learned is the mental side of things. And, you know, these younger kids, they have these things in their heads, these, these distracts. Mm-hmm. You know, my, my bike's not good enough, my gear... It's rainy out. It's muddy. The track, you know, and all these kind of distractions, which which I dealt with. Yeah, yeah. You know, and um, and talk a lot about that, and of course, you know, techniques, proper techniques on a motor, on a bike, right. and, and all that kind of stuff. So, and I, I I love it. It's 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 a lot of joy for me. What's uh, man? Maybe you just answered this by saying the mental thing, but what's what's one mistake or one thing that you see a lot of your students doing, or a lot of your students repeating, or something that you like really want to correct in in a lot of amateur riders like well what uh without giving too much away is it is it the mental side or is there is there something else well you know it's they say it's 80 percent mental right you know it's everything i mm-hmm. mean like in golf it's you know drive for show putt for dough you know it's 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 a kind of a cliche of saying but it's everything you know mm-hmm. it's um the mental side is you know for me i know like when i went to europe my grandpa wasn't with me you know, I had less pressure. They, you know, I was kind of a superstar over there when you when they brought the Americans over there and yeah. felt good on the bikes. And I won some races over there. You know, against uh, a lot of the guys over here that I, you know, would usually beat me. Right. And um, it's all in your mind. I mean, it's. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you look at great champions like RJ and all these. And I mean, they had such and and Wardy. They were very fast on top of mentally strong too. Right. And you know, you can't. It, you're not going to beat that that combination and uh but they work hard too on top of that and um they just had a lot of positive and and that's what you have to dwell on is those positives and i learned you know a lot of heart like i said before i relied a lot on talent and skill and that only take you so far and um 
takes a whole, you know, and now everybody, all these amateurs, they're homeschooled, they have a psychiatrist and <laughs> dietitians and everything. That's something that's changed a little bit since I was racing. But, you know, I think in general it's a pretty good thing, but I think some of the things go a little too far. But Yeah. One of the things uh, uh, Ferry says, and he works with a, f- a couple of kids and stuff, is he, he's like, man, these guys just they, they want to scrub everything. Yeah. He's like, yeah. they just want to scrub everything. He's like, what are you guys doing? Like, I'm not a scrubber. I'm a soaker. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to learn how to scrub. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's like, it, it helps. It, it does help on certain jumps and things like that. But well, you, I think, you know. like, from what I've seen, I don't watch a whole lot of pro motocross right now, but, mm-hmm. like, the first year or two, like, Bubba would scrub every little pebble on the track. Now yeah. he doesn't seem to do that no. that much. Only, like, if he's trying to make an aggressive pass or something, he'll really do that. But normally it doesn't, it doesn't seem like he does that as much now. So I think it's, it's yeah. calming down a little bit. But a lot of these kids at all these local tracks, that's all they do on every single jump. And I, I, think, I think it's kind of funny. It's a little too much energy and... Yeah. I think it I think it helps a little bit sometimes if you need to, but I like to soak it up a little bit better. Stand tall, let the bike kinda come into you. Yeah. Lean it over a little bit. Like maybe like a mini, a mini scrub or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? <laughs> um interesting. Yeah. Uh let's uh let's get into the time machine. Let's let's talk about sure. your career a little bit. Um the first time I mean, the first time I remember you reading magazines, uh Honda support rider, mm-hmm. um, you know, one of the best in the country, uh nine one one. Um, growing up in Arizona, did you, you and your grandfather obviously were a team for forever, uh, as we, as we talked about, did you, were you a sort of, and I guess it was different back then, but were you just a, like a mini machine, just practice, train, practice, train, go to school, uh, or were you one of those kids that were just, were like, I stumbled into this motocross career. I got a feeling you were born and bred to be this motocross superstar. Well, you know, starting out so young, you mm-hmm. know, um, at three years old and just growing up and didn't know any better. My grandpa just, you know, started taking me races at, at, at five. And then when I, I got hurt really bad when I was five, I was in an accident on my MR50. Okay. Uh, where I collided with this guy, with this guy that's, you know, uh, out in the desert riding with my dad. And, um, you know, I was severely hurt as a little boy um, and in the hospital for oh, a wow. long time. Yep. Yeah. I um, just look, uh, you know, uh, broke my jaw in six places, my collarbone. I had to have plastic surgery. Broke oh, jeez. And uh, oh, a, lot of, a lot of different things. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, so I was out for a year, and then I came, uh, you know, when I was six, I came back when I was seven uh, and started racing again. And then when I got to be about uh, nine, I started going to California and racing. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, starting to, you know, that's where all the competition was, and that's where I went and got picked up by, um, you know, R&D Suzuki, which was the team. One of the highlights of my career, Rudy and Dean, and I think I was 11, and um, they told me, my grandpa came over and he said, R&D wants to sponsor you and make you a you know, Suzuki rider, and it was the neatest thing in my life And at that time. And, yeah. you know, I won, won quite a few championships for him, and then um, in 83, I uh, got picked up by Honda. Mm-hmm. And from 83 to 86, rode Honda, and I got, actually... Um, and Sandra Peters from CMC said that Ricky Johnson and I, at 13 years old, were the are the youngest pros to uh, oh wow to race in CMC history. I think I heard her say that in an interview or, or something. I can't yeah. remember what it was, but uh, I started out real young. You know, I was just I loved to do it. And my grandpa took me, and you know, he was pretty much in control. But it was always something, of course, I wanted to do. I don't know if he was breeding me to do that, and he, you know, or mm-hmm. if he just did it to mm-hmm. take care of me or do whatever. But yeah, you know. Um mom's dad or or dad's dad 
My mom's dad. Mom's, yeah, my okay, mom and yeah. dad were divorced when I was five, and okay. then I kind of moved in with my grandparents, and they pretty much raised me. But uh, oh, okay, all right. Yeah, I always wondered about like where your dad was and all this kind of stuff. Yeah, but well, he was around. He was around. You know? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's around. He would come to races here and there, and he he still is. But um, uh, you know, everybody always thought growing up that my grandpa was my dad. Right, right. Yeah, uh, definitely in magazines. He's a young like grandpa. That. I mean, he just turned. He's seventy nine. He's not even eighty yet. Oh, wow, okay. Yeah. And my grandma are still out there in Litchfield where I grew up, and they still have the bus parked out there and everything. And uh, No, they're doing, they're doing pretty good. Oh, good. Good to hear. Um, so, obviously, um, going, switching to Honda was a big deal, and then at some point Yamaha picked you up as an amateur? or Well, you were an amateur pro at that point. but Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Yamaha offered me a deal to uh-huh. ride for them in 87, and um, my first national... I think it was my last national, I think, with you, where I broke my hand. It was in, in 87 at Troy. No, 90, 96, yeah. Yeah. 96. Um... <clears throat> uh, 96, okay. No, yeah, you, you got to check this Racer X vault out, Kalos. You, uh, your last national was 98. Oh, was it? I did, a, I did the uh, Glen Helen National for a local shop. Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah. Chris Bloss's uh, dad was um, helping me out that yeah. day as a mechanic, and... Um, I think I would have finished like top ten, and one of the you know toward the end, I think I crashed down the downhill. Um, um, crash! I just did it out of the blue, and the day before I had to do a qualifier. You know, I hadn't yeah, been around yeah. the scene forever, right, and right. I had a me and Wyndham. You know, I just came out of the blue in '98 on this kind of pretty much stock Yamaha, and uh, Wyndham was factory Yamaha at that time. We yeah. battled in our little four lap qualifier, <laughs> and uh, felt good. You know, I was yeah. going fast. He beat me, yeah. but. Um, in the main, you know, and in the main, I, I think I would have got tenth or eleventh and crashed. And so, what you're telling me, Sean, is I, I, when I drove you out to your rental car at Troy, Ohio, in '96, mm-hmm. uh, you broke your hand. I maybe practice, maybe the first moto. I don't remember. Mm-hmm. Um, and you were like, "Hey, take me to my car," and we got we got in some golf cart, and I drove you out to your car out in the cornfield there. That was your last really pro national. Besides yeah. the oh, wow, I ruined you. I ruined your career. Well, thanks. I appreciate that. <laughs> um, that was funny, that, that uh, um, working for you, because, and I still tell the story to this day on these various shows I do, I would come back from practice for Saturday. You were gone. You changed, gone. You left a note on the seat. Bike's good, lube, clutch, uh, you know, change grip. Like, you were gone. You were a ghost. You were gone. I've never seen anybody change out of their gear and get into their car that quick. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, at that time, Steve, my career was all but over. Yeah. You know? And, you know, inside, mentally, I just, I really didn't want to be there. I didn't know what else to do. I got offered to be on this team. Yeah. I didn't really have anything going on at home, so I did it. And, I, you know, I wanted to race, and I still wanted to do good and, and make a career yeah, out of it. you were still making I'm, money, too. I mean, you were making yeah. main events. You were, you know, like... But, I didn't want to, you know, fake it and be fun and, you know, fun-loving around people. And, and, and so, you know, it was just I was in my own little world and yeah. didn't want to be around anybody, you know. I, I can vouch for that. Nobody knows what's going on with yeah. somebody like that. I mean, I, I do these – I go to these uh, athletes' Bible studies, and I, I'm around, like, these ex- NFL players, these mm-hmm. NBA players. They have a lot of the same issues. Oh, really, huh? You know, yeah. They have a lot of the same. You'd be really surprised. And, and some of them, like superstars, like yeah. a friend of mine, Cedric Sabalos. He played for the Lakers. And the oh, Stars. yeah, yeah, and, yeah, uh, the name, yeah. And uh, it's actually because we go around the room, we kind of talk about what we used to do and everything, and I said, you know, pro motocross, and his eyes lit up. Uh-huh. And um, I was like, you know, 
I go, what, do you ride or something? He goes, yeah, I ride. <laughs> and I haven't been out with him yet. He wants to go out riding with him. But, you know, he's six foot seven. But yeah. he, um, he says he's always had a motorcycle going and went out to the desert and stuff and, and rode. So. Oh, wow. But they have a lot of the same, you know, a lot of the same things going on after their career. They're not sure what to do. And at the end of their career, they're just still trying to survive and make money. And it's just they know they're done. Yeah. Yeah, and you know, different people handle it different ways. But um, yeah, at that time, it was it was really tough for me. You know, I didn't know what to do and didn't want to be around people. And no, that's funny that you say that because yeah, you were you were a bit weird, no doubt about it. You 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 show up right before practice, you get your gear on, uh, you do well, you still have talent, um, but you were gone, and we were always like, man, he's he's a different dude. But yeah, like you said, you just didn't. You wanted to race. It's all you knew, but yeah, it wasn't fun yeah. anymore, huh? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And somebody who doesn't know what's going on, they just see the book by its cover. Yeah, yeah. and they judge it by that, and they don't, you know, they don't know what's going on in the inside. Where you know somebody could be really suffering mentally. You know, yeah, I wasn't yeah. suffering, but I was having a hard time, and uh, mm-hmm. you know, my career was over a few years before that, even. And yeah, but in '97, though, I. Uh, Husaberg, uh called me and asked me if I wanted to do the four, you know, that's when the four-stroke nationals were kind of starting right. to get a little bit bigger. And, um, you know, I thought about it, didn't didn't really have a whole lot going on. And I did that, won some races. and yeah, I you won, did well, yeah. Won the four-stroke world championship race and factory Husaberg bikes and uh, had a blast. You know, the pressure wasn't was, there, made money and yeah. won races and kind of kind of revived me for that year, yeah. Yeah, you were, you were a nice guy. I remember Keeney fired me, Corey Keeney fired me because – I don't know. Yeah, I didn't paint his frame one week, and Paggio got me. I was on the team with Anthony Paggio, who's still at Oakley, and uh, uh-huh. um, you were like, hey, I need a mechanic. I'll pay you a little bit. And I'm like, oh, wow, that's awesome. Thanks. You even change a top end for me? I think so. Okay. I think so. Check in. <laughs> um, you know, basically, you were, you were. I don't think you had a mechanic. You were showing up and sort of doing whatever. I don't yeah. really know what the well, deal you know, was. It's but, funny, yeah. growing up and being my grandpa on the bus and everything, too, going to the race and trying to save as much money as I possibly could, do my own work on the bike and yeah. stuff like that. You know, it's funny how things change. But, um, yeah, 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 I, yeah, I remember that you, I think, were looking for a job. And, you know, of course I needed some extra help. Yeah. And I was pumped to so stay on the road. I appreciate that. I think we did a few races together. And <laughs> Well, I tell the – and we'll get back to the your story. I tell the same – I told the story just the other day because we were just – you were at Unadilla, and one of my buddies is Jason Thomas. He just hung up his boots this year, and he was like – Oh please, don't tell the you know diddle story again. And I'm like, okay, I will. And, and it was, I think I told Jake Weimer the story. And I said, look, Weimer, I was here in '96 with Kalos, and he was like 12th fastest or 13th fastest overall in practice. I go and we had a we had. Did a they beat. have time practice then? Um, no, I guess we didn't. You would you would have just been 13th. Everybody took their own times back then. Yeah, I think you were just 13th in the heat. I, I, yeah. Whatever, uh, whatever it was, 13th gate pick or something. I go look. Everyone was going around the box. I said, and Kalos, I said, Sean, we're going to go around here. And you said, no. And Kalos took me to the far left-hand side. And everyone was, there was nobody within 20 gates of, of, of us. And I thought the guy was nuts. And he pulled out top 10 starts because he swept the corner, you know, from the outside. <laughs> I love it. And, and I was like, so I told Weimer the story. And he's just like, you're an idiot. I don't care. I'm not doing that. <laughs> well, they, also, do they filled in that dip in Unadilla now? It's straight. Uh-huh. It's all flat. And I think your your reasoning was it was flatter on the left on the outside, and so you couldn't you didn't go down the dip as much. And yeah, yeah, you know, you, you it was shorter if you looked at the overall uh, length. And and that's funny. And I tell that Unadilla story. Nobody wants to hear it anymore. But I'm always like, look, Kalos pulled two top <laughs> ten starts from the far left gate. No one on a, on a pretty stock bike too. Yeah, I think. 
Yeah, you know? nobody, nobody cares, though, Sean. Yeah, I that's to... funny. You talk about that. Whatever a writer gets in his mind, whether it's correct or not, if he really believes it, yeah, and he follows through for it, you know, uh, he, he can accomplish. It. He can he can make make it work, you know. Yeah, and that's the thing I think as a as a good mechanic has to you know kind of know the writer in that aspect and and encourage him to you know be that way. Mm-hmm. And um, and if it's something sounds a little odd, unless it's dangerous or ridiculous, something go with it. <laughs> you right, know? right, right. And just feed off of that, for, you know, with them. So yeah, yeah, no, I, I think you told me, hey, look, I, I've been here for years, kid, and this is where we go. And I'm like, all right. <laughs> How old are you? Uh, I'm 38. Okay, 39, sorry. Me. 39, yeah. Okay. You got me by a few years. Um, you used to grow you, you grew up riding, right? What's your story, racing? Did you yeah, grow up it, riding in Canada or yeah, what? Yeah, exactly. That's exactly it. I raced a pro and I... Um, you know, pro in Canada anyways. And, uh, oh, you tried, were a pro in Canada? Yeah, and then I tried to race uh, some uh, nationals here and there, Millville, uh, 500s okay. and stuff. And then, what year was that? Uh, early 90s. Oh, so okay. um, you would have been on the YZ360 or something. I don't know. You were yeah. hurt for a little bit one year. but Well, the tracks in Canada, I've never raced in Canada. They seem like they're the same kind of tracks in Europe. They're just big and natural and fun and fast. And, and Yeah, neat. more so. Yep. Yeah, you got a point. Um, and then I got a – I want. I was like, well, I keep getting hurt, and I'm not that fast, so I need to be a mechanic because I do want to live this life on the pro circuit, you know, yeah. and uh, – that was it. And my first, I worked in 95 for a couple of guys, but 96 was my true first year and, and, and got the job with Keeney on that PJ one team. And yeah. I was like, wow, Sean Kalos, Jimmy Button. Wow. <laughs> um, and that was all through, um, there was Arizona guy behind the team. So I imagine that's how you yeah. got on there. Alex, Alex McKellie. Uh, yeah. yeah. So yeah, good guy. Um, anyways. Uh, so yeah. So Honda picks you up you, and you know, you were, uh, one of the top amateurs in the country. Yamaha signs you to a pro deal. Uh-huh. And I'm always curious. You didn't spend a lot of time on 125s. Is just just because you were that that big of a of a guy? Just your no, size? It's just, you know, it's just what my grandpa signed me up for. Okay. I mean, I raced after April, after my birthday. My first national, I think I said, was Troy, Ohio. But I raced 250 Supercross that same year. Mm-hmm. You know, at 16, I was I was put in way too young, Steve. Yeah, <laughs> I was yeah. Thrown into the fire. I probably could have stayed amateur another year or two and maybe won some more championships and kind of, I think kind of Bradshaw went that route a little bit, it seems like. But um, Your your grandpa was like, oh, forget it, we're, we're going pro. My grandpa, I guess, you know, believed with believed in me. I mean, my I, I tell these kids, they all have their own super cost tracks now and everything. Well, not everybody, but a lot yeah. of kids do. I mean, my first my first real super cost experience was at my first super cost. <laughs> right, <laughs> that right. was it. You either do the triple or... Yeah. <laughs> You ain't going to qualify, you know. I mean, I did amateur, you know, stuff where they, they toned the tracks down a little bit. But that was my, I think it was in Miami. Uh, your, first, your first Supercross is uh, that listed as Tampa. So, okay. Uh, 1987, Florida. and you got 18th in the main event. Yeah. I remember, I think I, I battled with Guy Cooper in the, in the semi. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, I raced a heat race, raced a semi, and, you know, I was yeah. already done by the main event. I was just trying to survive. <laughs> so <laughs> I was lucky to beat well, a few people, I think. <laughs> I remember back then, like, even Lachine, who was, you know, the top of his game back then, he was like, yeah, for Supercross practice, we'd go out in the hills. We'd go to Palm, Palm Avenue. Mm-hmm. Like, there's no factory-built Supercross tracks. They didn't come until the late 80s, early 90s, yeah. you know? Yeah, Well, so. I don't think Ronnie practiced that much. I remember <laughs> when I went to a race in Europe one yeah. year at, in, in Italy, and um, he, I don't know if he remembered, but he, he told me he never practiced. Yeah. yeah. He said he never practiced, but he did, you know, he 
wrote a lot because he was always testing and things with Kawasaki, but he never just like loaded up on you know <laughs> right. his bike in his truck and went out and hammered out some laps and stuff. Yeah, crazy, right? Telling me that, and I just went like, wow, you know. <laughs> but that that was cool though. That was Ronnie, you know. He wouldn't have it any other way. I guess. No. Um, <laughs> also, too, 1987, you're in 125 class for Yamaha uh, on the factory team, um, and the bike's slow too compared to Mickey Diamond's Honda and the Cadillacs oh, yeah. and stuff. Like, yeah. not a good bike. You're a tall kid. So, yeah. um, you know, you got a lot of, lot of 17, 17, 13, um, you know, but 11th at, uh, in New Jersey in 87. So you're starting to get your feet wet. Um, yeah. Your teammates are Glover and Storbeck, I think, that first year. Maybe Holly, Jim Holly. I don't think it was Storbeck. It was uh, 87 was, um, I think, LaRocco might have been there, but it was uh... – Mickey Diamond, Glover. That was 88. Diamond was, was 88. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, all in all, were you in awe of these guys as a pro? I mean, were you sort of like, hey, I'm not ready? Like you said, you, you know, looking back, maybe you stay wait another year or not. Do you remember having a hard time or do you remember it? Oh, like these results are pretty decent for a kid 16 yeah. years old. Well, I think they were. You know, mm-hmm. I always thought I could beat anybody in my mind because occasionally I could and right. I did. But. Oh, definitely. You know, when you're, <clears throat> I went to the war, uh, a winter Olymp, or not winter Olympic, the winter, the winter series. Winter AMS, yeah. Winter yeah. AMS, yeah. yeah. And the AMA, I think they were sanctioned by AMA. Mm-hmm. I was 14 years old on a Honda, and Bob Hanna was there. Yeah. And you know, I think I think I did pretty good in that race. <laughs> and um, but you know, you had to be 16 years old. And I was 14. I guess my grandpa didn't know. Maybe he was taking a chance. I have no idea. But anyway, Hannah was there. And I remember, you know, somewhere in the top 10 uh, in the beginning of the race, and I hear this motor behind me screaming like crazy. <laughs> and it was this long, sandy, whipped out straightaway. Mm-hmm. And Hannah just blew by me. You know, yeah. here I was, a 14-year-old kid. And yeah. I just watched him. I didn't even look where I was going. I was just looking <laughs> at him thinking, that's Bob Hannah. Yeah. <laughs> and he was gone, but... That was one of my, you know, but yeah, I mean, when you're a kid, you know, a young kid growing up and, you know, the magazines and all this stuff, and all of a sudden you're lined up to, next to them, that's, it's wild. Yeah. You know, you're, yeah. you're, it's, it is, it's a weird, and I think I let that get to me a little bit too much. The same thing happened with some other writers, you know, top names, but yeah. um, I think, you know, when I think about that, I think about a guy who didn't care about that and did get it really fast is maybe a guy like Bradshaw or something. Right, right, you know? yeah, he... And, uh, but yeah, that's how I was, you know. And see, back then you didn't have that mentorship and that, you know, that uh, somebody telling you that you're just as good as anybody and blah blah blah. And you know, my grandpa, just kind of a good old boy, took me to the races, expected me to perform well. If I didn't, you know, he would. Yeah. You know, he was pretty hard on me, but it, 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 yeah, it, it was, was it was it was weird it racing was a, superstars like that. It was a different time. I did one of these with Buddy Antonez, and you know, he was he was Sean Kalos years later, the hottest kid coming into amateurs. Uh, he got t- signed to a factory Suzuki contract at 16. He goes to his first race at 17. He told me his mom and dad had a job, so they couldn't come to the races. Suzuki was just like, hey, kid, uh, you know, figure out a rental car, figure out the flights, figure out where the track is, see you on Saturday. Yeah. And yeah. I was blown away. I'm like, you know, his kid's 17. He's, he, you know, he's never really traveled that much. He's on his own as a professional. And Suzuki's yeah. just like, see you later. Yeah. Crazy how they – Back then, it was sink or swim, man. Um, it is. Yeah. It was, I think. You know, I mean, that's, that's that's a little bit different story in that, you know, as far as but my grandparents and stuff always took 
took care of me, was always there, cooked, cleaned, washed bikes, you know, modified, all that stuff. But, um, but the other side of it, uh, with him being there was the, you know, the things he used to say to me mm-hmm. and the mental side of things and that, that father kind of son relationship that, you know, I would never say anything bad about my grandpa and stuff, but you was, know, was you'll never yeah. know what, 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 what went on behind closed doors if I didn't do good. And, um, you know, me kind of being the introverted, yeah. you know, guy, especially back then, yeah. I took it all in and I never said a word and, um, I just sat there. And, and took it all, and it was it was hard, Steve. It was bad. Yeah. Know? So he was gnarly on you, huh? Like, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It was tough. You know, very few people might know and, and got a little taste of it. You know, maybe like Larry Brooks from way back in the day or something right. like that. Yeah. But you know, it, and, and it's just the way he was. He didn't mean to harm me in any way. You yeah. Know? He, he he did everything for me in the world. But um, yeah. Did it- so you had these battles. You had to go out there and race against the best riders in the world, and you had the battle of you know, the mental side of the family thing and right. the relationship. And, man, it's just, it's tough, you know, back then. so Yeah, yeah, you're 17. You're 16, 17, 18 years old going against, you know, Rick Johnson, Jeff Ward, these these these, these men. They're men. Exactly. Um, yeah. and, and your grandfather maybe isn't, uh, isn't realizing uh, at the time that you're still just a kid. I don't think he did. Right, I don't right. think he did. And maybe he had super high expectations or whatever. I don't know, but. Did that it, didn't seem to matter to him, but, you know, yeah. as the, the real person, as the writer, it did, you know. <laughs> was, uh, like, Keith McCarty, was he trying to help? Would you tell him things? I mean, was there Yamaha at the time? Was it, were they trying to, I guess maybe it wasn't Keith, it was probably, um, uh, what's his name? Um, it was Keith. Oh, okay, all right. Yeah, it was Keith. Um, you know, they stayed out of it because it is almost, you know, they weren't afraid of my grandpa, but they knew my grandpa was setting his own good old boy's ways, and, you know, he did all the all the uh, suspension and motor work on my bike. He wouldn't let Yamaha touch it. Really? And my grandpa did good stuff, you know. Yeah. But I think they figured out way back then, you know, Sean's kind of in his own world with his grandpa. We'll leave them alone. They weren't really involved in trying. They were supportive, you know. Keith was a very supportive guy. I liked him a lot. And everybody yeah. at Yamaha was, I thought, you know, back then. But He was doing the motor and suspension, really? Oh, yeah, yeah. My, my 89... 250 supercross bike there wasn't a bike faster than that oh okay so i, I would put it up against any factory bike it was oh so he knew what he was doing to a video like on video back then that thing barked so loud and hard and wow. it it was it was it was just <laughs> another another thing that blows my wig back a factory yamaha rider letting a factory letting the the kid's grandfather do the mods good or bad just blow, yeah. blows my wing back wow oh yeah he, that, <laughs> that, you know yamaha knew that i was yeah you know, I always wanted a box in, but I had the bus. I kind of wanted to fit in, but everything, you know, back mm-hmm. then was a little bit different. And with my grandpa involved, and um, it was good and bad. You yeah. Know, it was good and bad, but. Um, it's that time again. Thanks for listening to the Racer X podcast show. Brought to you by BTOsports.com. Presented by Thor MX. I appreciate it. Don't forget to click on the Amazon banner on pulpamex.com to help out pulpamex.com. We appreciate it. Listen to these commercials. Buy from these sponsors. Thank you for listening. See you on the other side.
Racer X Podcast Show is brought to you by BTOSports.com. Whether you are looking for new gear, helmets, boots, or you need to rebuild your bike from the ground up, BTO is your source for all of your motocross needs. As a proud sponsor of the BTO Sports KTM race team and the heart of the BTO Sports amateur motocross team, it is obvious that we are about more than being just a store. We support the sport that supports us. us. We at BTO Sports want to give back to you, the listener, for supporting us and the Racer X Podcast Show. Use coupon code PULPMX when placing your order at btosports.com for a VIP listener discount. Certain brand restrictions will apply. For 2013, JT Racing enters its next generation with the all-new Evolve Lite, ProTech, Enduro, and Limited Edition collections, taking quality and innovation to a whole new level. Also available in youth sizes, each collection is built with high-grade materials offering its own unique characteristics to meet the demands of today's riders, both recreationally and competitively. To find a dealer or view the entire collection online, log on to JTRacingUSA.com. Championship proven. Many motocross apparel brands make that claim, but only Thor can back it up. As America's first motocross apparel brand, Thor has set the standard for delivering the highest quality performance racewear on the market for the past 45 years. With champions like Ryan Villapoto, Blake Baggett, and Dean Wilson to name a few, our products truly are championship proven. To see all the new 2013 products, visit ThorMX.com or head to your local Thor Parts Unlimited dealer. Thor, the official racewear of Supercross. Let's take let's get into the bus a little bit. Um, sure. Where did you get it from? Uh, what did you think? How was it to how was it set up and, and, and all that? Well, he bought it brand new. I think um, I don't know where he bought the bus as a shell, but he he drove okay. it to Indiana to get it converted. Um, but he told me he was going to buy a bus, and he cut the door out of the side of it, and it was a big winch that came down and went over the wheels and diamond-plated ramp and everything that folded yeah. up. He did all that himself, and then he took it down and had it converted in Indiana, and then it rolled in. And the bikes uh, would go in sideways at the side, right? Yeah, they would yeah. go in sideways, and you could fit, you know, four bikes real comfortably, big bikes, yeah. and, and five if you needed to. So it was plenty big enough with cabinets, you know, these dark wood chairs. It was, it was neat. Right. In fact, it looks a lot... Uh, uh, in '04, when I went to Loretta's with um, for Kawasaki Team Green, mm-hmm. Loretta Lynn had a had one of her older coaches up on the hill there, and it was om- it's almost almost the same like bus. Oh wow! Yeah, it was pretty cool. But but yeah, he he and it rolled in the first time ever at Ponca City in 1984, and it rolled in the pits, and that's when you know I think time stopped. Everybody stared. They cut the fence out and they pulled this thing in, and yeah. And then they left the doors open, and everybody looked in. It was like a walk-in, like <laughs> a house. Like a, yeah. and, you know, he just all day long. You know, and it was it was neat, and it was a big story back then. And um, but again, I hated the attention. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I hated that attention. I didn't want it. And then everybody walking around with Sean Kalos water bottles. I had no idea he was going to do that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, but that's you know that's what my grandpa did. Right. And I don't fault him for it. It was just what he did for me. For me. And let me let me ask you this, and, and you can certainly. Uh, Answer it however you want. Did it get physical at times? No. Okay. No, yeah. No. It it really didn't. You know. Just just it's verbal like, 
verbal you suck over and uh, over. Uh, yeah, basically. You know, one time I think he threw water in my face. He, yeah. Uh, yeah. Hit me upside the head a little bit. But <laughs> yeah, my, my dad <laughs> He's a that. big guy. He could start a, you know, 125 <laughs> with his hand. He's a... <laughs> He's one of those good old boys, kind of walked uphill both ways, kind yeah. of guys, you know, kind of uh, jack of all trades. But no, it was never. Um, like I, yeah, my, my dad did the same kind of stuff too. You know, like yeah, it wasn't. I would never say it was physical, but yeah, there was. You know, I mean, he yeah. got pissed. That for can sure. be worse, Steve. Yeah, you know, that can yeah. be worse. The mental side of things is, yeah. you know, uh, none of um, it's good. But I always say, like, I think it's okay to criticize, but criticize the performance, not the performer. Right. Good There's point. a big yeah. difference. Right. There, right. You know. Um, you also had some sweet gear. JT gear always looked, you always, uh, was that yeah. just something your grandfather hooked up for you again? And Well, uh, I rode, you know, John and Rita, they, they, you know, sponsored me early in my career and always yeah. took care of me. And they, um, they gave me a good contract as a, as a, you know, a 12 year old, I think, or a 14 year old. I think they were, they offered me like 25 grand. Oh, wow. Like that. That's good for now but too. They, they took, yeah, <laughs> I mean, I would take that now, but. You know, they would bring all their riders in and uh, many cycle riders. I think when I rode for Honda one year, they flew us in, they did a photo shoot, and then they said, take a gear bag and go through all the shelves and get whatever you want. Yeah, yeah. Fill uh, it up. Yeah, you know? yeah. And we all did that. It was like me, Kyle Lewis, Scott Brown, and a couple guys. I can't remember, but no, they they always take take. Do you remember what your factory Yamaha contracts were for how much money? Or I do you... don't, no? because my grandpa yeah. handled them all for me. Yeah. And uh, I know they paid this. Uh, you I, wonder, know, they, I wonder how that worked for like gas and stuff. You know, because well, know, they did. They paid yeah. us for, for gas as uh, something, you know, whatever it was per mile. Okay, or something like yeah. that. But they always handled all that kind of stuff for me. I never really got involved, which I should have. But yeah, you know, they always took care of all the all that kind of. Uh, Nineteen eighty-eight comes your second year pro. Mm -hmm. You must have gotten injured at some point because um, there's not a lot of super crosses, but you had some good finishes at the races you did do. Seventh overall, eighty-eight uh, Gainesville uh, opener. So, uh -huh. motocross, pretty good? Yeah. Yeah. yeah better was, bike, too. Better 88. That, that, that yeah, bike. 88 was a better bike. Yeah. I liked that bike when I, when, uh, when I got it brand new at my house. I put it together, and uh, you know, sent me some bikes and mm -hmm. took it out across the desert. I'm like, wow, this thing's awesome. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you, I, don't, I don't remember the years too much. So, you know, when you go over right, one, I'll right. be, go ahead. Uh, well, and then uh, um, you, moved, you didn't ride 125s anymore. Right. And, and that's kind of like. Like nowadays, of course, you start on the small bike and you work your way up. You have you have three four years of success in the small bikes and you're ready right. for 450s. And even back then, Donnie Schmidt, Eddie Warren, um, uh, Bradshaw, Kudrowski, they go 125s and they move up after you know getting some confidence and right, success. Right. And you always struck me as a guy you were just thrown in with the big bikes right away. And yeah, like I said, not a lot of 125 experience. And I can't help but wonder how that would your career would have been had you um you know had been able to ride 125s i guess you were taller and your grandfather didn't think you were going to be good bike was slower too yeah. but you were a perfect case for especially being as young as you were you were a perfect case for hey throw this kid 125s for a few years yeah but no <laughs> nope throw him in against rj and morty right now exactly exactly <laughs> that's 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 ridiculous and it's way too young uh 89 uh by far your best year you top 10 250 Supercross, 250 Motocross, 250, and 500s. Uh -huh. You rode that 360 outdoors. How yeah. was that thing, by the way? What do you remember about that? Well, it was my grandpa's motor. It wasn't Yamaha's. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I yeah. think it was better. But um, yeah. Well, we first tested it at Unadilla, uh, me and Mickey Diamond, um, maybe Bradshaw, mm -hmm. LaRocco. I don't think Bradshaw was there. I don't remember, but it wasn't good. Yeah. It was slower than the 250. Oh, um, 
think Yamaha eventually got theirs working good, but my yeah. grandpa did it, and he got it working, you know, decent. It was raceable. I think one year at um, Washugo, mm-hmm. I think I got like a third place start, and I passed, and I got into the lead, and I was leading it for a couple laps. Wow. And Wardy came and snuck by me. I missed a shift, and then um, and then RJ was behind me, and then I I. Um, Right before the finish line, you know that that rhythm section, and it drops down left, and it crosses used to cross the start. Right before it crossed the start, yeah, um, the old the old start, yeah, yeah, yep. right there. It's a high speed kind of a sweeping corner. My, mm-hmm. you know, RJ with RJ on your butt, factory Honda right. five hundred. You know, I got a little aggressive there with the throttle, and it came around on me and just high sided and pitched me way in the air, and I crashed. But, but that thing ran. You know, it ran decent. Yeah. It was an okay bike. It was right. But compared to the 500s, no. Yeah. You know, but. Um, 89, yeah. You, you go uh, fifth in outdoors, 215 outdoors. Right. 10th in 500s and eighth in supercross. I mean, you're really coming onto your own. And again, yeah. you're, you're 18, 19 right here. Yeah, yeah. Uh, do you remember feeling good? Do you remember just being like on top of your game? Yeah, yeah. yeah I wasn't on top, but I was feeling good. Yeah. You know, I was getting. Gaining a little momentum. I, I remember, you know, I remember one race in Atlanta in 89. Mm-hmm. Um, they used to do, like, they t- used to take four out of your qualifier. There was, like, three or four qualifiers. I don't remember. But, you know, I won my heat race against, uh, I think, Jeff Stanton and Jim Michelle Bell. Yep. And I had the fast qualifier. I was the fast wow. qualifier yeah, yeah. against everybody, and I had the first pick on the gate. And then I think I ran, like, 12th or something in the main. I don't remember. Mm-hmm. But it was a good night. You know, I was, you know, I was riding. It was never, you know, for me, really about speed or skill or anything. It was just other things that um, added up. You know, I mean, I was already tired by the. Uh, <laughs> right. I'm in, I'm in right. so much better shape now, Steve. At least physically, off the bike, <laughs> right, than right. I was back then. Yeah, way, which way is, more. Yeah. You know. So basically, you're you're getting these results: seventh, eight, mm-hmm. six, five. You're getting them on a lot of talent. I was. Yeah, I yeah. was, and I was, and. It wasn't like I did nothing. I rode a lot, and I, I was, yeah. you know, played a lot of basketball. I didn't train to be a professional motocross athlete, though, yeah. though, you know, during the week. I just was yeah. wanting to be a kid, I guess, and uh, never did anything stupid. You know, never got, got an A score or anything like that. I, I knew better than that, yeah. you know, living with my grandpa. But, <laughs> <laughs> um, no, you're right. I yeah. mean, it, it was. That's, that, was, that was a very hard lesson. You know? How uh, did you get along with Glover, Diamond, your teammates? I mean, I know you said you were pretty shy. Yeah. So I don't imagine, like, a lot of interaction, but how did you get along with the guys on the team and, and all that? It didn't seem like anybody had tons of camaraderie with each other. Um, you know, when I was on the Yamaha factory team there in 89, we'd go to these dealership signings and stuff, and sometimes the the, the owner would of the shop, would, one guy had a helicopter, and, we you know, they took us on helicopter rides, and mm-hmm. we had a lot of fun doing things. And, and one time, <laughs> we went to a, a club, this guy, you yeah. know. It wasn't my thing, but, you know... Take the whole team there, and yeah, um, it was Larocco. He was there too, but and Larocco was really shy too. He was yeah. kind of like me. He didn't really talk too much to anybody. But um, and, and not coincidentally too, he had his dad, who was omni powerful. You know, yeah, whole, yeah, you know. like my grandpa. Right, right. They had they got me a girl to kind of do a little dance in front of me, and I about flew out of my chair. <laughs> and they got the biggest laugh out of that. Yeah, yeah, for, yeah. forever. I mean, they were a little... <laughs> right, right. But, you know, just things like that, you know, that we would do together. But as far as I got the races, you know, I don't know how it is now, but everybody's kind of in their own little world, and it's a serious thing, and they're trying to do good. And 
But you and Mickey Diamond didn't hang out a lot with the Motley Crue. The... <laughs> <laughs> well, at the L.A. Coliseum one year in 88, I think I finished fourth in the main. Uh-huh. Yeah, um, Tommy Lee was there, and that uh, was Mickey's friend, and, and uh, also the drummer for Rat. And they oh. came in the bus, and they were hanging out in the bus. Oh, yeah, yeah. And um, and they started to smoke, and my grandma goes, no, 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 there's no smoking in here. So they <laughs> quietly and politely left and smoked the cigarettes outside. But right. you know, I, I signed a couple posters for Tommy Lee, and Bobby Blotzer was the drummer for Rat, and they signed me an autograph. They were cool guys. Yep. But yeah, that was a fun thing. Yeah, 88, uh, Glover wins, Lachine, Dubok, and then you. Well, I almost yep. had third. Yep. I almost had third, and Ricky almost had me. Yeah, I Ricky got that fifth. That was the one that Ricky fell in the first corner and came from, from like, almost last, I guess. And yeah. He was pushing me. I rode good that day, you know, that mm-hmm. night. And um, I think another lap, you know, I might have had third. And um, that would have been cool because I think, you know, JT was clever. Oh, yeah, right. Yeah, they would have swept it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it was, a, it was a good race. So. Did you get along with RJ, Dogger, uh, Wardy, those guys? Um, you, you know, were there much interaction? Um, not a lot. No. no I, um, RJ took me to the movies one time early in my career. Oh, shit, okay. Um, yep. yeah, he, he took me to the movies and was hanging out, and I was, you know, it was fun. It was cool. He he offered for me to come stay with him, too, at one time, and um, and train with them and just hang out with them and stuff like that. And I, honestly, uh, at the time, I was, like, embarrassed. I thought, you know. Oh, really? I, yeah, yeah. I was kind of a hillbilly in Arizona, per se. You know, I wasn't, but right. I, thought, I thought it was. And I'm like, you know, he might think I'm not cool enough or something. I was embarrassed. Yeah, yeah. And I just didn't go. And then, you know, that, that's an opportunity that I missed, I think. I could have. Yeah. I couldn't have learned a lot from him. But he was no, he was always really cool to me. Um, what number were you in 1990? I'm trying to remember. What did er, did you earn? Do you remember? In 90? I was 15. Okay, 15, yeah. yeah so you, Where I went to Europe. Yeah, I was 15, and I, I think I raced one or two supercars well, before uh, I went to Europe. Well, okay, so well, that's what I was going to ask you. So what happened? You didn't get injured in 1990? No, I went to Europe. Um, the, the World Championship Series didn't start. I went to, at the end of 89, you know, I went to Europe for some races. I got asked, and, you know, I got start money, went over there, and I won some uh, supercross. I won the Genoa Supercross and the Bologna Supercross. And mm-hmm. There was a lot of Americans there and a lot yeah. of Europeans, and I, my grandpa wasn't there. <laughs> this goes back to earlier yeah. you know, conversation. Yeah. I just felt good and no pressure and, and rode good and won, won two events over there. And after the last event I won, and I think it was Genoa, Yamaha of Italy, it was called BYRD, Bird Yamaha, Delgarda Yamaha Racing Division. They oh, were see, I... the biggest importer of, of Yamahas in Italy. They f- offered me a ride right there on paper. Oh, wow. i got to fire my research because I thought you went to Europe in 93. No. Um, okay. No, so no. Yamaha didn't want to hire you back? I think they did, but I was going to get more money over in Europe. Well, they were, but I came back home and they were, I think, uh, Yamaha of Italy was going to offer, they offered me, I think it was like 50000 as a salary. Yeah. And they, I think it was more than what I was going to get back home. So I top, went, top I went 10 to Italy, all, yeah. Top and, 10 uh, in, all three, in all three classes and you can't get a decent ride in America? Jeez. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, it was tough, you know, right. but... Um, I decided to do that, me and my grandpa, and mm-hmm. uh, worth more money at the time, and and I and I went over there. And what they do before the World Championship Series starts, they have these races called the International mm-hmm. Motocross Series, and I won the first one in Mantova, Italy. Yeah, I think Jeff Leesk and Donnie Smith were second, third over there. I went to the another one. Is either the second or third one? I can't remember. And I won the at Castille at Cast. Lago del 
something. Okay. Know, somewhere in Italy. Anyway, great, neat, hilly, uphill, fast, cool track. And I was running Pirelli tires, and I won the first moto. And yep. the track dried out in the second moto, and they didn't make a good hard pack tire. And I kept sliding out, kept sliding out, yep. charging through, sliding out, sliding out, and um, came down this downhill, and I, I uh, the rear end came around on me and then high-sided mm-hmm. and pitched me, and I dislocated my hip. Oh, wow. Laying on the ground. and Painful, right? Yeah. yeah. So that was pretty much out for the for the series that time. That was ridiculously painful when you're sitting on the track you know i just flew over there too yeah and all of a sudden you know you when you win your first moto you're on the track and you're laying with your hip out of out of joint and uh if i knew how to say you know shoot me in italian <laughs> i would have because it hurt <laughs> yeah I, I mcgrath did his you know um i know a couple people who've done theirs crashes and yeah they've all said that by far the most painful injury yeah it is yeah it is so that that pretty much ruined my you know i i think I had a great chance to win a world championship that year, you know. Yeah, 1990 would have been uh, Schmidt, Puzar, those type of guys. Yeah. Yep, I think yeah. Puzar won it. He was a good good rider from Italy. Yep. You know, obviously, I think he's won a couple. Yeah, he won two. You, you should have stayed in America. Well, by, you by know, the way. you look back and you think you should have done this and that. Yeah, I should have, you know, done some certain things. But You were a top <laughs> ten guy in everything, everything you raced. And the competition was deep, you know. There was a lot of, like, legends, you know, back oh, then. Oh, definitely, so. definitely. You know, I look back and I know that I should have done this, should have done that, should have waited. And <laughs> right, right. Waited. And, you know, that's like anybody, though. But, yeah. But did they – now, of course, being in Europe, there was a – there's more than a few stories of guys getting burned. Did they pay your salary? Did they, you know, did they – Honor their contract well, with you, or they would have if I would have stayed, but I didn't want to stay. Oh, okay. You were and just so they didn't. Yeah, okay. Well, then I guess yeah. <laughs> in a nutshell, which you know is is fine. I was I wanted to be in America. I'm right. an American. Yeah. I loved racing over there. The motocross is awesome, but um, you know, but at that time, Steve, that's when the the you know I was starting to kind of you know with everything the injuries and everything with my grandpa. Mm-hmm. My heart was was leaving. Yeah, yeah. So it, le- it was leaving pretty early, you know. So that's when it kind of started with me, and I kind of started, you know, the mental side, yeah. negative things started coming to my head, and I started being a little bit more quiet and shy, and just didn't want to be around, and you know, those yeah, kind of yeah. things started happening to me at that time because my career wasn't happening like I wanted it to, you know. Right, right. So I, I always like, and and it's just as a fan reading the magazines, and you know, growing up in Canada, not knowing what's going on behind the scenes. I always thought that yourself and Ronnie Tishner, two guys that, you know, didn't ride on the best bikes back then in the late 80s or late 80s, early 90s, mm-hmm. um, put in great results. And you guys were basically um, one and done, um, like one factory shot mm-hmm. and never hired again. And, of course, you went to Europe. Now now I know this now in, 19, in 2013. I wish I would have known this back then but uh, <laughs> when I was a kid. But uh, uh, I always felt like you two guys – you had good results on not that great of bikes. And, and at that time in American Motocross, you got one shot, and then you never were picked up by another factory. Just one Yeah, of those I would agree with that. You yeah. know? Um, he, he could be a guy like that in that category. And I just recently connected with um, Ronnie. Oh, okay. Facebook, actually. Oh, right on. Yeah. And um, getting to know him a little bit. Saw his dad. I uh, was down here for the Phoenix Supercross. He was down here, and I saw him. And, you know, I, I knew them back in the amateur days and stuff. Right. And him and my grandpa, and they would stay up real late and um, have fun and all that kind of. The amateur days <clears throat> were fun. Those that's that's when there was fun when the, when the yeah. professional came around and and the 
money started getting more, and yeah. that's when the fun kind of leaves, you know, unfortunately sometimes. but uh, One question uh, Davey Coombs uh, wanted to know. Um, he, I told him I was doing this with you. Uh, how yeah, I cl- saw him in Loretta's and talked to, had oh, a did nice you? conversation with him when I was Oh, there. that's good. He, uh, he wanted to know how close you came to uh, getting in that car in Ponca City in 82, which, of course, uh, Rick, Rick Ham, Bruce Bunch, um, there's a tragic accident. Were you close to that? Or were you? Well, yeah, we, I was there. Yeah. Um, R&D Suzuki. This is right. you know, a little emotional for me. I, was, I think I was only 11. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> wow. Yeah, it, um, they were asking me, Sean, get in the car. Oh, they were? So, really? Yeah, they were. It was, it was uh, Duke from, Duker from Oakley. Yep. Um, Rick Hemme, Bruce Bunch, and Kyle Fleming from Arizona. All three phenomenal riders and uh, would have went on to have great pro careers, you know, probably. But great family, great friends. And, yeah, they were, you know, let's go, Sean. Let's go, let's go, let's go. And I wanted to go so bad, you know. Yeah. And my grandpa, as silly as this sounds, I didn't want to change my shirt. I just didn't. And he said, mm. you're not going to go if you don't change your shirt. Oh, wow. Because it was dirty or something. I yeah, yeah. Whatever, you know. And I I didn't go. And then I was out, you know, playing video games. Um, and Larry was around somewhere. I don't remember where he was. Larry and, says, told me, yeah, also, he could have easily got in that car. He could have. Yeah. He could have. And, um, but... I was playing video games, and someone ran over and said, you got to come to the pits, come to the pits, come over there. And I ran over there, and that's when somebody said that they were killed. Wow. And it was, I, you know, I, I yeah. can't describe the feeling there. And actually, Kyle Fleming's sister drove home with us. Uh, we took her home. Yeah. And, uh, you know, wow. Um, I just lost three, you know, I was still a kid. I was only yeah. 11, but the, the feeling back then was, yeah, I... And I've been to Ponca City a couple times, and Jeez. Uh, they come back. And, yeah, very, very emotional. They were great. You know, out of the three, you know, Kyle and I were pretty good friends. But Bruce, um, Bruce, Rick Hamey is always trying to tease me and goof off with me and embarrass me in front of his sister and okay. all that kind of stuff. But Bruce was was really cool to me. Uh, Brooks, Brooks said there's no doubt in his mind that Bruce would have been a superstar. He oh, said he was, think, he was that, that good. Yeah. Well, I, I – you know, I think some of the my style and a lot of things I learned was from watching Bruce. Yeah. yeah. You know, I, I remember watching, um, like, uh, George Holland mm-hmm. on a Suzuki, R&D Suzuki, Bruce Bunch. These guys had style, and they were, they were fast. Yeah. And I really, you know, early on, those are a couple of the guys who I used to really look up to. And uh, Brian Myerskoff had a great style. I remember watching yeah. him at certain races. And I always... And maybe that's kind of where I, I, you know, maybe got some of my style from is I used to watch, love to watch guys with good style. You know, Lachine. Mm-hmm, yeah. Guys that were just float on the bike and looked good and looked good in their gear and all that kind of stuff. That See, I always thought that was you, though, too. Like, I thought your gear, your setup, your style yeah. always looked good, you oh, know? Thanks. I um, I've had a lot of compliments over the years. Right. Things like that, so. Um, 91, 92, you come back from Europe. I think you're on a Nolene Cowie, or what do you, I think no um, I wrote for Kawasaki support that year in okay. and by that time, you know, I had my injury the year before in yep. Europe, and I wasn't, you know, the bike was good. The bike was pretty good, and I think I had a few good races. I think Unadilla one year, I was leading and pulling away. Yeah, you got somebody fifth. sent me a thing on YouTube, and I didn't, I forgot about that race, but um, <laughs> I got ready. the whole shot right. and was leading Bell and Stanton and was pulling away, and you know, I um, I think I just 
faded because mentally I thought, I shouldn't be pulling away from Stanton and Bell like this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, so I almost like waited for them to catch up. And I think I saw the video and Bell passed me. Like I waited for him to catch me. He passed me and I passed him right back. And then um, I think I ended up third in that model. Yeah, you went 3-8. Three, 3-8, eight. Three, eight. Yep. okay. Yep. Yeah, and that's, that's again, you know, here I was pulling away and then up eighth in the second model. And that's ridiculous, you know. Right. That's and the ride home from that, <laughs> I can tell you, wasn't good. <laughs> oh, Grandpa was still around then. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, he yep. was. Yeah. Um, I do remember watching that race, actually, on a Cali. Yeah, you were... You were were you there? No, but I remember watching it on, on, oh, okay. on YouTube or on uh, one of these classic races I have. I think you're wearing... Are you wearing some sort of weirdo gear? Yeah, I think I was... I can't remember what I was wearing. Yeah, it was a little different JT. gear. Yeah, it wasn't JT. But... No, no, yeah. But uh, that's the thing, is things yeah. like that, you know, would happen and... Um, you know, it was never about talent and skill and speed, you know, with me back then. Was, yeah. Yeah, you look at your results later on, Sean, and, like, there's tons of top tens. And you're on a, uh, only in Yamaha or, or a Cowie, mm-hmm. you know, basically privateering it. Even, like I said, the year that I worked for you, you go 11-11 uh-huh. at, at Unadilla. And, you know, you're, like you said, you're, you're out of it. You're, you're checked yeah. out. You're, I was. Yeah. I was 11-11. If you think you're capable of winning and getting 11th, Steve, yeah. that, that, that sucks. <laughs> <laughs> that's bad. Right. Now, if somebody went eleventh today. That's pretty kind of good. Uh, you're hauling. You're I, you know yeah. top eleven right now. I mean that's. But back then, eleven. Are you kidding me? I mean, if Ricky or Roy got eleventh, they'd go home and lock themselves in the bathroom <laughs> and shoot them. You know, it's just, <laughs> right, right. <laughs> you right. know, that's not cool. Yeah. But you know, that's how you were back then. It was just. Yeah. And that you know, getting eleventh was decent, but still, in your mind, you're like, it's not even close, and it's depressing. It's crazy because, you know, I'm in the media now, so I'm writing about guys who get 11th. And I'm, you know, Phil Nicoletti, for example, is a privateer guy in NFAB Yamaha this year, and he's uh-huh. kind of come out of nowhere. He's got a lot of ninth, 10th, 11th, and we're all writing about how awesome he's doing. Uh-huh. And back then, there's no media, there's no internet. No. You know, you're getting 11th and you're, you suck. And, and then, again, going back to the Tishner stuff, and Ronnie's a friend of mine, same idea. Uh-huh. He, he feels like a failure because he's ninth yeah. and 10th. You do. You do. You totally feel like that. <laughs> and it's like it's different now. That's that's something that's changed. Right, right. There's like back then when you raced three guys won races. Rick Johnson, Jeff Ford, Jeff yeah. Stanton, you know. Like <laughs> <laughs> and nobody really knew of anybody else per se, you know, because no. of I think the media and everything yeah. like that was yeah. part of it. But yeah, it's true. A lot of and you there guys... were a lot of great riders, yeah. you know, that were finishing top tens and fifteens and stuff like that and that were great riders. But oh yeah. You never heard of them or nobody really knew of them because they were 15th. You know? Yeah, well, think about, you know, Sean Kalos in 1990. Okay, in 1995, you're riding for Nolene. You're checked out of it, right? Mm-hmm. You could go to uh, almost any of the 50 states, maybe all of them, and win the local pro class convincingly. I mean, you were one of the very best riders in the world, top 20. Mm-hmm. And, again, you're just getting no money, no attention, you know. You don't. Yeah. It is. That, uh, but, you know, it's, Not to depress you. Sorry to depress you. <laughs> <laughs> I've been through that, but I'm, I've right. moved on, thank God. But, right, uh, right. That's true. <laughs> uh, and then Nolene Yamaha years, I remember you doing well on that. That, that was sort of more like a ride, though. Like you, Yeah, it yeah. was, you know, Clark, it was yeah. fun. We did the ultra-cost series. I won races just doing that and yeah. uh, made some money and had fun doing that. Clark always treated me well, and, and the bikes were good for what they were doing. We, I think we did a few supercrosses, too. Yeah. Um, but the main thing was the the um, ultra cross Mickey Thompson. Yeah. Did you like those? Were they fun? A little they more? Were. Lo- they were a lot of fun. Yeah. You know, we raced on the same tracks as some of the cars did, and Ricky was, you know, Johnson was starting to do some of those. Robbie Gordon was in there. Yeah. Ward was starting to do some of those things, and it's neat to see 
those guys still doing that kind of stuff. Jim Hollywood Holly, the king of those in the early 90s. Yeah, yeah, he was. I think Craig did that, too. And, you know, whatever you could do to, to make a little money. Yeah. And, um, you know, keep things going for yourself and, and that type of thing. But Grandpa's still around at this whole time? Like, or when did well, he start? Well, you know, at that time, when I got married in 93, you know, okay. I think he finally gave up and, All right. and realized that, you know, I'm married now. and <laughs> He's got to let go a little bit. Yeah, and he did. And, you know, it was never really strained. I always tried to keep a good relationship, and it's perfectly fine now. I uh, love him to death. And right, right. never said anything bad about him. But uh, God, The memories you two have together, of time oh. spent together, like yeah, the world, yeah. traveling the world and all that, right? Every like, Sunday, you know, that I'm here and available, we always go out there and we have dinner at the house I grew up in, and it's always a big country. Oh, cool. Yeah. Cool dinner that we have out there and talking outside, and, you know, it's, it's neat, so it's, mm-hmm. it's everything's good. Um... Well, hey, thanks. Well, actually, you got a few other questions. Let's keep it going a little bit longer. Um, your best race ever. Your best, best race, race ever. Is, is there one that stands out? There isn't. No. You know, because when you have a career that's kind of up and down like that, nothing mm-hmm. really shines for me, you know, uh, particularly. But, you know, the, the biggest thing I think I remember and love and just is neat to me is battling with superstars and legends, with Ricky Johnson and Jeff Ward, whether I was in Europe or wherever. Yeah. World champions like George Joe Bay and or whoever, and just competing against the best motocross riders in the world, and occasionally beating them. Yeah, yeah. and um, you know that's really neat to me, and I, I enjoyed my time doing that. And thank God that I had the ability and skill to even do that. That's what stands out more more with me than any really particular race. Um, yeah, and and. Uh, it may not be worth it financially. You know, you can't take it to the bank and hang and, and deposit that. But to that's that's a cool feeling. Um, it is like, hey, at one time these greats, I beat them or yep. ran with them a lot. You know? Yeah, it is. That's that's the neatest thing. Any any time you can compete and be as good as somebody that's yeah. one of the best in the world is, is a neat thing, and that's something I, I cherish and Just, I'm really thankful for. You know? You were you were 15 years too early, Kalos. <laughs> because you look at the amateur kids now, they come into these teams, they're babied, they're coddled, they're making 150 grand, and, yeah, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Like, it just, yeah. It's I mean, like any sport, though. I like any sport, like baseball, like football. Well, not quite as much. You know, a lot of the guys back then and mm-hmm. still made pretty good livings and different things. But. Yeah, that Ced- Cedric guy's probably got some good money still. From, he well, was a good player no, for years. He, um, oh. I don't think he does, actually. Oh, okay. He, um, right. he actually DJs. Oh, okay. Right. Yeah, he DJs. But, um, Jeez, he was he a has, regular NBA guy for years. I know. You know, and it's it's you'd be you'd be amazed at some of the stories and and some of the, you know mm-hmm. just on a different scale, but they make it and they lose it all and they have to go to work too. You know, right. even millions and millions of dollars. I've learned a lot by knowing some of these guys. But, yeah, you know, and having to get a job yourself too, right? Like, oh, um, yeah. You know, your career earnings probably weren't too bad, but like you said, when you you know, well, I earned pretty good money while I was racing, but when you stop racing, <laughs> yeah, <It> adds up. <laughs> got to get a job. You yeah, know, you eventually, got to get a job. I, I don't know the percentage it's you know whatever how many people actually over the years of pro motocross riders who have could retire if they wanted to. I don't think there's too many, Steve, and yeah. it might be just a handful yeah, or good, less. Yeah, I, I don't know. What do you think? Um Yeah, I mean, it's it's hard to say. Now it's tougher than ever. I don't know how much you how much you follow this stuff now, but lots of cutbacks, you know, lots of guys not making much money. Uh, you know, 10 years ago though, uh, a guy like Ferry Villeman, um, who weren't champions, but were certainly, you know, top five guys, just like you. Um, they're making over a million dollars a year. 
mm-hmm. for you know for three, three, four, five years in a row. Uh-huh. Um, you know, and again, I'm not talking about the elite guys. They were yeah. race winners, podium guys. Um, yeah, which is what you were. Um, but now in the last five, six years, it's gone down, and and it's tough. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. It is. You know, it's hard. I, like a friend of mine that lives here in the Phoenix area, Chris Blows. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I know. I know Blows well. Yeah. Yeah, you know, he's, he's a great guy. I've been trying to help him and mentor, mentor some things, you know, over the past couple of years with him. And he's a really good rider. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think a lot of it's mental, too. But, um, you know, I know he's not making any money. No. No, but, it's, it's, um, it's crazy. So we'll um, see what he has. But anyway. Favorite, favorite track? Favorite track you ever Favorite had. track. Yeah. You know, I don't know why. I always liked Southwick. Okay. Because yeah. I grew up right by a river bottom. Okay. Whipped out sand. People think from Arizona it's all hard packed and rocks. Yeah. I I used to love it. it just a neat track, fun and I heard it's gone now. Yeah, last year. Yeah, it was a bummer. Unadilla was fun. Um Far Outside Gate. Far outside gate, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um But um, you know, a few tracks, a lot of the tracks in Europe are really cool. In America, yeah. you know, nowadays I I mean they, they seem like the track in Utah looked like it was Pretty fast and pretty, you know, jumpy, yeah. and the dirt was a little inconsistent. I don't know; it looked a little sketchy, and I heard some things. But yeah, it wasn't the greatest. No, no doubt about it. You know, you're dealing with a, you're dealing with a, a man-made flat track, and then you're dealing with that type of soil up there. Yeah, it's, it's so tough. Yeah, like Troy. Troy was all flat with real jumpy, but that was fun, and it wasn't anything too crazy. But um, I remember one year it was um, raining really bad there, and it was just a big, you know. Uh-huh. One of the muddiest races I think I've been. I don't remember what year it was, but um, but yeah, you know, Southwick, Unadilla kind of mm-hmm. stand out as fun tracks. But you know, nowadays, you know, like I tell my students, you you don't have any favorites. Just perform, do your best, whatever the condition, whatever the track is mm-hmm. the same for everybody. Yeah, you know, type thing, and that's kind of what's different now. Uh, favorite bike? Well, it'd probably be my '89, yeah, 250, you know, Supercross bike. Yeah. It was just a Barker. That thing just lit. It was. And I used to love that. Now, I want it as smooth as possible. <laughs> right, right. I used to think, I used to love the hardest hit. I used to love to control that and use it if I needed to, but not, not yeah. now. I just, I like it smooth. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's nice and easy, right? Yeah. Um, uh, well, hey, thanks for doing this. I appreciate it. I'm glad uh, there's certain things as a mechanic. You know, I won a national um, as a mechanic, and uh, we won a summer cross race against McGrath. All the listeners of the show are are hitting their head because I've talked about this so much, but uh, gone to the motocross the nations as a mechanic. Uh, but also, I, and I kid you not, I haven't worked for Sean Kalos. is kind of cool for me. Um, <laughs> kind of a cool little thing in my mechanicing career. Even though it was short and I drove you to retirement, it was still, uh, to, to say I worked for Sean Kalos was still pretty cool, I think. so. Well, I appreciate that, Steve. It was neat to, to see you message me and tell me you wanted to do this and you know, I want to let people know, too, I'm still alive. I'm still out here. I'm yeah, still doing yeah. things out here in Arizona. And, you know, I'm just having fun and taking care of the family. My son has a football game tonight. It's his, uh, he's a varsity football captain of the football team. He's about six foot one, two fifteen. Oh, yeah, yeah. Works really hard. Great kid. And I'm actually getting excited about that. Really oh, cool. Excited. So, yeah, it's a lot of fun for me. But, no, thanks a lot, Steve. I, I really appreciate it. Yeah, teamkalos.com if you uh, want to learn from one of the best and, um, you know, hook Sean up. Um, he'll he'll teach you everything you need to know, um, including, you know, maybe don't get that bus when you turn pro. 
don't don't do that. Just get a wait, box wait bed. Wait a couple of years. Yeah. That was my experience. <laughs> right, right. Uh, the BTO Racer X podcast presented by ThorMX, ThorMX.com. Um, check them out. And uh, thanks, Sean. I greatly appreciate it. And um, keep, keep, keep in touch. Hopefully I'll see you at Phoenix next year. Yeah, I'd love to, love to sit and talk with you more. I appreciate it. All thanks. right. Thanks, Sean. Okay. Bye. And thank you, everybody, for listening. Hey, look, you, we all buy stuff from Amazon. I buy stuff. You buy stuff. We all buy stuff from Amazon. Let's face it. So why don't you, the next time you're buying something from Amazon, go to pulpamex.com, find the Amazon banner there on the bottom right-hand side, Click to that. It'll take you to Amazon, and then you can place your order for whatever it is, either lube, a baseball glove, or a car, whatever it is. Then that way, Pulpamex gets a little piece of that, and uh, we can keep on doing what we're doing. And I appreciate it. And so check it out on the link, and see you guys later. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Steve Mathis Show. Search Pulpamex in the iTunes Store to find the more than 200-episode archive or get the Pulp MX app for your iPhone for the complete Pulp MX fix.